Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. DLFFamily, and a DLF family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's Adol SFD, roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. That's right, back here for week three's SOPs. I just can't stop rhyming. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what is going on there, but uh, uh, it, I, I'm just that excited. Man, um, going into week three because so much of the process that we talked about in the off season, so much of the the you know the quarterback extreme in particular, uh, the running back wave attack, the entire super flex flywheel, all of it, all of it's just kind of coming together all at once, and we're seeing it early in the season here. You know, we're we're seeing these running backs. I mean, we've got three teams in particular, right? We've got we've got the uh, the 49ers, we've got the Ravens, and uh, we've got you know to a certain extent the LA Rams. I, they lost all their guys, you know, early in the off season, but uh, we're uh, we're we're you know we're we've got these three teams that are already kind of churning through running backs pretty consistently, and we're seeing you know that it takes just a significant amount of depth at running back. And, you know, we're, we're also kind of seeing the, the – we're certainly seeing the scoring power of wide receivers, uh, you know, throughout the league. Uh, but what we're seeing is that it's, it's really just kind of this universal thing for the wide receivers. You know, it, it really just kind of is a set-it-and-forget-it type of proposition at wide receiver – and then you, you know, and and that's why we talked in it, you know, through the entire offseason about going minimalist at wide receiver, clear that that roster space, because there's kind of no reason to bench a wide receiver. There's no reason to bench your starters, you know, other than bye by weeks and as long as they're healthy, just leave them in there. Terry McLaurin just had a a horrible matchup in week two against the Giants lined up you know, being shadowed by James Bradbury. And he still puts up, you know, wide receiver one performance. Like there's nothing predictive at wide receiver for us to really, you know, to uh, for us to lean on and say, all right, this is, these are the spots that I'm going to pick for, for my wide receiver. This is where I'm going to take a wide receiver out. This is where I'm going to put a different wide receiver in. There's, there's nothing there for us to do that. You really just kind of, you just, the guys that you've got you just set it and you forget it you know so that's that's kind of the the procedure at wide receiver and we're seeing that now whoever you've got you just put them in there and you just leave them in there 
and then and and it's really just kind of regardless it doesn't have to be one of the absolute studs it doesn't have to be you know aj brown or tyreek hill i i mean those guys had (laughs) relatively bad weeks in fact um but you know you still you still just leave them in there because you don't know when they're going to have a good week. You don't know when they're going to have a bad week. You can't really predict that. We really just want to, you know, we're, we're really just hoping that our if we've got two starting wide receivers, we're really just hoping that we don't get a dud game from both of them at the same time. That's, that's kind of all we're looking for. And even then, even when that happens, because, you know, the most likely scenario is you're going to get half of the season. You're going to get you know, those elite weeks from both, from each guy. So if they have a down week at the same time, that means you're that much more likely to get, you know, consistently get at least one wide receiver among the top 24, maybe even top 12, uh, every week of the season, you know, the rest of the way. So, you know, there's, there's, there, there's that silver lining still. Even in the worst case scenario, there's that silver lining. So you just set it and forget it at wide receiver. And, you know, it allows you to clear up some roster space, load up on running backs. And now we're kind of seeing why. You're able to just kind of fluidly move from one to the next. And, and again, that's really just with three teams already struggling with this. We're not even seeing... It's not even you know league wide yet, which it will be. By the way, this isn't this isn't just you know fluky bad luck for the San Francisco 49ers that they can't keep a running back healthy. It's hard to keep a running back healthy. It just is. It's it's it. it, it we talk about this all the time. Look at their job description. That is not something that human beings are meant to do. <laughs> run into run into a just a wall, a mass of human flesh, you know, that has momentum going in the opposite direction of yours. 99% of their, of their, of the time that uh, uh, any running back, any given running back touches a ball, 90, 99% of the time it's going to end in a violent collision. (laughs) You know, they, they bounce off other people. They bounce off the ground. It's just, it's, it's, it's not a position that's easy to, that you really stay healthy uh, doing. So, you know, it, it, it just stands to reason that we're going to start seeing more and more of this. We're going to start seeing more of these running backs going down, move on to the next man up. And, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're just going to see more running backs involved. And you want as many of those guys as possible. It kind of doesn't matter what the name is. You know, well, last week there were a lot of people going heavy after Elijah Mitchell and talking about how special he is. Very good player, absolutely. But does that mean that there was any any reason to overspend on him? I mean, because now Elijah Mitchell already dealing with an injury. Now we're on to the next running back in San Francisco. Like who's special? That doesn't matter. Who's healthy? Tell me that. Tell me who's healthy. That's all I need. And who's the next person up, who's the next man up if that guy gets healthy? That's what I need to know. That's been the process every step of the way. So, 
yeah, we're we're already seeing this coming together. It's not even week three yet. We're going into week three. We're already seeing that coming together. We're also seeing the benefits of quarterback extreme, though, uh, with all those quarterback injuries. Now, a lot of them managed to escape major injury, uh, you know, which overall, um, you know, I, I think that we're, I think we can all agree we're happy Baker Mayfield is going to be okay for a, a, a variety of reasons, not just for fantasy purposes. Um, you know, he returns to the game. Derek Carr returns to the game. All good things. Um, you know, Andy Dalton uh, isn't going to miss any time, it doesn't sound like. Uh, that one we're not quite as thrilled about, but it would... it. it, it I don't I don't wish injuries on anyone. I just really really would like to see Justin Fields get the opportunity here to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears all week. Not just come off the bench cold and go into a game, you know, that you're the you know, the that you're struggling to win. You know, like get a full week to prepare. Get a full week taking the reps as the QB1. You know, let this this coaching staff actually prep him to be the QB one for a week, and let's see what happens. And and beyond a week, you know, let's just make this kind of a a regular. Let's let's normalize this the idea of Justin Fields being the quarterback for a for an NFL team. You know, so um, it's it it it's a little frustrating that we're not there yet. Um, but, you know, happy that it's not a, a major uh, knee injury for Andy Dalton, like it sounded like it might be. Uh, Terod Taylor goes out with a hamstring injury. And we're not totally sure at this point uh, whether or not he's going to miss time. It sounds like he'll likely miss this Thursday night game. Uh, but beyond that, it sounds like, you know, it could be a week-to-week type of proposition for him. Uh, the one that really sticks is Carson Wentz. Two ankle sprains or two ankle injuries. I don't even know that it's a, that they're sprains, uh, but either way, I mean, both ankles. Like, I <laughs> having having rolled an ankle uh, playing sports. I mean, I can tell you how how tough it is just to rehab one ankle. I think that we're uh, uh, here's the bottom line. I think that we're gonna, uh, you know, Carson Wentz is going to miss a significant amount of time. Uh, it's 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 much different to rehab two ankles than it is just one, because there's a certain amount of it where, you know, you just you you kind of rely on the the good ankle while you're <laughs> rehabbing the bad ankle. Well, he doesn't have one. He doesn't have a good ankle. Just yeah, this is. I, I I feel for the guy, uh, but for you know as a practical matter, we're gonna be without Carson Wentz for a while. We know that now, and uh, you know so there are a lot of quarterbacks dealing with injuries all of a sudden. Most of them are gonna play. Some of them are not. Um, but and and you know after two waiver runs, essentially two weeks of of NFL action and two waiver runs. We've already had to run to waivers, you know, multiple times for quarterbacks now. 
We've had to go hard after Taylor Hineke. And here's the thing. Last week on the Superflex SOPs, you know, I talked about Taylor Hineke. And uh, to me, you know, I was I I was a proponent of, a, you know, about a 50% fab claim for Taylor Hineke. That was the plan. That felt, I mean, obviously that was a little bit conservative, but that felt like, you know, a pretty appropriate claim in week one of the NFL season, knowing that there are going to be other quarterbacks available on waivers at some point that you're going to want to spend on. And there are going to be a lot of running backs back to that part where we know that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of running backs available. Elijah Mitchell wasn't a one week proposition. There are going to be other Elijah Mitchells virtually every week. Not quite every week. We don't have that this week. Um, you know, not not quite. But, you know, we, we've, we're going to have that throughout the season. We're going to have those, you know, those, those big-name running backs in, you know, in big opportunities that are going to require a pretty big fab claim. So you didn't want to have to spend a whole lot in week one. And so that's why I said Taylor Hineke at 50%. And I think that in most leagues, you probably didn't get him. Even if you went 50% because you were desperate at quarterback, you probably still missed on him, right? I, most of my leagues anyways, it ended up being 90 to 100% uh, for Taylor Hineke. And I think that's a mistake. I'm okay missing out on him at that point. I think to, that Taylor Hineke has a chance to be a long-term starter. I still am just not willing to spend that much fab that early in the season. People are way too cavalier with their fab. People are way too okay with going all in early in the season and, you know, not having anything to to be able to compete for those players for the rest of the season. 16 more weeks at that point, you know. They're still willing to do it. I I I don't understand that, but, you know, is what it is. I'm still going to keep making conservative uh, fab recommendations. Uh, it's still too early in the season. Now, I, th- here's the thing, though. You know, 50% of your budget in week one, if I still make that, I, I'll still make that same recommendation in week eight. I'm still going to say 50%, but that's a far less conservative recommendation in week eight when there's less money out there in the in your league's economy you know so these these recommendations these fab claims they become less and less conservative as the season goes on and that's the way it's designed that's what we want um you know so er, early in the season 50 percent is very conservative you know as the season goes on that's going to be a bigger and bigger chunk, and that's going to start winning more and more players. So, you know, it's it's kind of okay to miss out on some of these players early in the season. I get the argument that a lot of people are going to make. You went all in on Elijah Mitchell in week one because the idea is you get him for the entire season. And I I, I understand that part of it. I just... I, I don't know that you necessarily need or even want Elijah Mitchell for the entire season. Even if he turns out to be what everybody thought he was going to be, 
is that still more valuable than, you know, winning a running back at 25%, getting him for three weeks, you know, in, in just as good, if not better, of a situation, and then doing it again three weeks later, getting another running back at 25%, and especially being able to outbid somebody with a 25% bid in week 14, being able to outbid everybody, you know, in week 14 with just a 25% bid, 25% of your starting budget outbids everybody for a running back who you didn't get him for the whole season, but he's there for your playoff run. You know, to me, it's 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 better to just keep it. it it's the same as is actually drafting these running backs, drafting you know, running backs in particular, but we're doing the same thing. We drafted those running backs for that wave attack. We drafted some guys for early in the season. You know, we got some studs for early in the season, but then we also drafted some guys who are going to take over the role later in the season. Um, You know, the second wave, third wave, maybe even a fourth wave. Do the same thing with Fab. You know, we're not looking for a running back who's going to give us the entire season because the probability is they're just not going to, regardless of who they are, regardless of how quote-unquote special they are, regardless of how good the, the situation is. That None of that is, is the point. None of that is really relevant here. All that matters is, you know, we we just need warm bodies at running back. We need guys who are healthy. And we need them to be healthy at the time that we need them. <laughs> you know? If like if you if you went zero RB, Elijah Mitchell Mitchell kind of makes a little bit more sense. Still doesn't make sense to me at 90% of your fab. But he makes some sense, you know, just because right now you need him. Right now you need somebody who you can plug in and start. But you can find somebody else. There's there's going to be a time later in the season. You know, if you didn't go zero RB, there's going to be a time later in the season where you're going to you're going to lose your running back one or your running back two. You're going to lose one of those guys, and you need somebody in that moment who's going to be healthy. We're getting dangerously close to getting back to that handcuffing running back discussion, though. Uh, that caused so many problems and kind of continues <laughs> the ripple effect continues so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there but uh, the whole point being I'm gonna continue making conservative recommendations uh, for fab claims here on the superflex super shows standard operating procedures it's gonna continue to be conservative if you know it, it if if you're if you want to be aggressive to get one of these players you know you can certainly bump it up from what my recommendation is just know that you're you're taking away fab from your future self and you're limiting your own ability to find the players that you need when you need them if you know, if you're spending that fab early here in the season. So 
Anyways, let's let's get to the standard operating procedures for the week. And it's going to be fairly heavy on quarterbacks, but again, very, very conservative uh, fab recommendations. Let's actually start, though, with uh, some guys in super shallow leagues. Make sure they're rostered. This is also a little bit of a quality control thing. Uh, looking back at SOPs from week two, you know, some of the players that we mentioned in week two uh, to prioritize in uh, uh, on waivers, you know, if, if, if for whatever reason they didn't end up on rosters, this week they're even higher priorities to a point where we're not even going to mention them in our in the ad section uh just because it, it, this is this isn't about this is no longer about you know trying to figure out what's the fab claim on Zach Pascal how much do i need to put on Zach Pascal to end up with him at this point i mean it just you're just being aggressive because the guys that we're going to talk about you know the 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 alternatives the guys who in most leagues are going to be up for grabs it's van jefferson it's braxton barrios it's you know it's really very very tumultuous uh with some of those other guys to me it's just aggressively go get zach pascal aggressively go get tim patrick aggressively go get kj osborne those guys we got proof of concept in week two, and now it's time here in week three to make sure that you've got those guys if they're available. Looking back at week two's SOPs, uh, some of the other names um, included. Uh, I mean, we you know we talked about Sterling Shepard, we talked about Rondell Moore. It was those were the guys in week two that we were saying you know make sure that those guys are rostered. If they're not, they should be. You know, those are the guys that you put the high claim on because they don't belong on waivers. And then, you know, we talked about some ads and uh, Taylor Hineke, Elijah Mitchell, Zach Paschal, Tim Patrick, Kenneth Gainwell. Those guys were all, those guys were all top priorities. KJ Osborne, I didn't have as quite, a, a, have quite as high of a priority. Uh, I had him as wide receiver five, thirteenth priority. I said put a dollar on him, you know, minimum bid. And it, it turns out that wasn't aggressive enough. Um, he he absolutely belongs on rosters at this point, and if he's still available for whatever reason, I mean, now we're more in the range of fifty percent for him, I believe. Um. And then it, let's keep fact-checking this real quick. I think this is a useful exercise. Uh, keep doing some quality control. So looking back at week two's SOPs, you know, I mentioned Davis Mills. Now he's going to be 1A or 1B uh, for for waiver claims this week. So it, he was had him as a next week, this week guy. And, uh, I mean, if you went and stashed Davis Mills... You just saved yourself a lot of fab. Now, I also have Marcus Mariota and Cam Newton. Marcus Mariota on IR. And, you know, so it, it's that one. I, I think that we call that one a miss. <laughs> it was. It's too early to stash Marcus Mariota uh, when he still has a minimum of two more weeks on IR. Cam Newton's still a free agent. 
I think he's still a stash, but we're just going to keep him in the next week, this week column. Uh, I do think he belongs there, though. Uh, some other some other next week, this week, guys, I mentioned Cordero Patterson, Jeremy McNichols, uh, Jermichael Hasty. we're going to call that one a miss only because now he's he's injured. He's He goes to IR. We're not going to see him for a while. But Cordero Patterson and Jeremy McNichols, are absolutely hits. If you stashed them going into week two, then you, again, you saved yourself a ton of fab. Now you have to go after those guys a little bit harder. And McNichols, McNichols still isn't a super high priority. It's, it's all just based on the idea that it's a lot of usage for Derrick Henry. He just got a lot more usage. He's, he, he feels like a ticking time bomb when it comes to injuries. I also mentioned Larry Roundtree. That one, I I would call that one a miss. I mentioned Matt Breda. I would call that one a miss. I mentioned Will Disley. It seems like that one's starting to tilt more towards Gerald Everett. So we'll go ahead and call that one a miss. And then Trinity, Trinity Benson uh, looked like the wide receiver one for the Detroit Lions in week one. In week two, it was Quintez Cephas. So... I, I still think that Trinity Benson is worth a stash in those deeper dynasty leagues, but I don't think that we can really call that one a hit. But so it, really Davis Mills, Cordero Patterson, those guys move from next week this week to absolute waiver priorities this week, just like we called it. And Jeremy McNichols, I think, is is still... He's probably still next week this week. Cam Newton's still next week this week. Those guys I think that you keep in that in that category. And Trinity Benson, I think, is still kind of a next week this week type of guy. Um, I don't think that you have to prioritize them on waivers just yet, but I don't think that they're going away. So that's a look back at week two. Let's move on to week three and some ads. Uh, I Not quite as many this week. And again, it's quarterback heavy, and there's it's going to take a little bit of finesse. So right now, I've got Jacob Eason as the top priority. Uh, he's he's QB one, he's priority one, but I only have him at a thirty five percent fab. And part of the reason is Carson Wentz likely makes it back at some point this season. That's number one. Reason number two is Jacob Eason just uh, is not that good. <laughs> I don't know of a of a better way to say it. If you went quarterback extreme and and the, I mean this is going to be true across the board when we're talking about quarterbacks. We talked about it last week with with Taylor Hineke, who I think was worth, you know, a heavy a heavy fab claim. But you know, if you went quarterback extreme, the nice thing is you can stay out of it. With these, with these quarterback claims. You don't have to pursue these quarterbacks, even if you're the one who lost Carson Wentz. You don't really have to go after Jacob Eason. You can, you know, and you can get your rotation back up to five quarterbacks. You can do it, but you're also, you're kind of fine with the four. You don't have as many options on a weekly basis. It's a little harder to play matchups, but you're going to be fine with four quarterbacks. Whereas, you know, somebody who only had two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks and just lost Carson Wentz, you know, now it's time to scramble a little bit for Jacob Eason. 
And so to me, 35% fab, that's for those who really need a quarterback. And, you know, look ahead a little bit to when bye weeks come up. Jacob Eason very well could still be the starting quarterback in Indianapolis when, you know, when bye weeks hit. So, you know, Jacob Eason becomes a pretty high priority just because he's going to be a guy that you put in your super flex position when you only have one other quarterback, uh, you know, two healthy quarterbacks, one of them's on bye because you just lost your third, you know. So I think that for those people, Jacob Eason, despite the fact that he's not a great option, you, it's still, you still need a quarterback as super flex. So let's prioritize Jacob Eason with the 35% uh, fab claim. Right now I've got Davis Mills number two, but I'm calling him 1A and 1B. I've got Davis Mills basically at 1B, second quarterback, or quarterback 1B. <laughs> and I right now I'm saying a 34% claim. Eason's at 35, Mills is at 34. Assuming Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor misses any more than one week, Davis Mills becomes the top option. You know, if we if we find out that this is a a worse injury for Taylor than what we expected, Davis Mills becomes the top option. And I think that you look more at a, you know, like a, depending on how much time Tyrod Taylor is going to miss, you know, the the more time he's going to miss, the more fab you put on Davis Mills. I think, because I think Davis Mills is just a more competent quarterback. You know, I, I think that he has a similar offense to Jacob Eason, uh, you know, at least in the pass catching department. And I just think that he's he's a better he's you know he's a he's a better more accurate more polished passer. So the only reason Davis Mills right now is running behind Jacob Eason is because most likely scenario is you're only getting one start out of Davis Mills. So if you lost Terod Taylor or you lost Carson Wentz, you know, or if you lost Ryan Fitzpatrick in Week One, or even if you're you know even if you're worried about. Derek Carr, for instance, which I don't know that you should be, but if you were, or if you're worried about Andy Dalton, you've got Andy Dalton and you're worried about him, or even, even you know, look ahead to matchups. You can even do that. Um, you know, somebody with a, with a particularly bad matchup. Zach Wilson, for instance, has that Denver defense, you know, that uh, it, it, he, he just had a very bad game against New England and you know, comes right out of that into a matchup with Denver. You know, maybe you want to try and avoid that, that matchup. So, you you know, you go get Davis Mills uh, for just as a one-week option for you. Uh, Tony Pollard is number three for me, running back one. And I've got him at a 25% fab claim. Um, 16 touches... 13 of them were carries, where Zeke Elliott got 18 touches, uh, 16 of them carried carries. But Tony Pollard did more with him, 109 yards, touchdown, caught all three of his targets for 31 yards. So an average of over 10 yards a carry. Tony Pollard has just looked like the better, you know, more explosive back so far. And Dallas knows it. 
It's not just, it's not one of those things where us as spectators are saying, man, he looks, he looks better than the starter. Like they're, they recognize this. They're using Tony Pollard more. Or at least, you know, almost identically uh, to Zeke Elliott. So he's, he's, you know, and I I think that you're probably going to see that uh, increase more and more. I think you're going to see it tilt a little bit more towards Tony Pollard. Uh, he just he he does more for you, you know, in the passing game. Um, again, still more explosion uh, running the ball as well. The only thing is, you know, Zeke Elliott still has the power, still the goal line back, uh, still the guy that you put a heavy workload on. So it, that's the only and, and that's the only reason I've got Tony Pollard at twenty five percent is Zeke Elliott's still there. He's still healthy. He's not going away, you know, not anytime soon. So Tony Pollard is very is startable for you, but his upside is capped by Ezekiel Elliott. And so we don't want to go too heavy after him. Certainly not the way, although I called for 20, 25% on Elijah Mitchell too. So, you know, this would kind of indicate that, uh, that I view them the same. And honestly, I do. I, to me, Elijah Mitchell was headed for a running back by committee approach. I, I knew that 25% wasn't going to be enough to get him, but I was still saying that's what I'm willing to spend. Knowing what I know about that situation and how I feel about Elijah Mitchell's role, not a, it's not about his talent, it's about his role. Back to that, you know. Same thing with Tony Pollard here. Uh, I, it's not about the talent, it's about the role. And I think 25% is, that's what I'd be willing to spend for a guy who's going to be a flex option. He's the best back in that offense, but capped upside because Ezekiel Elliott is still there. So 25%, I think you might actually get him. You had no shot at Elijah Mitchell. At 25%, I think you might actually get Tony Pollard. But if you don't, you can put another, you can also put 25% on JD McKissick. Running back two, priority four. He goes four for ten in the touchdown. Uh, four carries, ten yards in a touchdown. Um, he also caught five of his six targets for 83 yards. Uh, he got nine touches to Antonio Gibson's 15. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be sustainable, but we saw it last year. He was super involved in the in the offense, particularly in the passing game. It doesn't seem like that's going away. He's being recognized as one of the best pass-catching backs in the NFL. That's the type of workload he's going to continue to get in those PPR leagues. Nice, safe floor for J.D. McKissick. And to me, that's worth 25% because, again, flex-worthy every single week, you know, really kind of regardless of what Antonio Gibson is going to give you or not give you. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is uh, priority five for me, quarterback three, and I'm putting 15%, and man, do I, I, I really don't feel good about that. The, the big thing is that injury to Tua Tungavailoa, that's the one that I didn't mention, Tua with that rib injury, that that one is, is, probably the second most likely to miss a significant amount of time. B. 
beyond Carson Wentz and his two messed up ankles. Jacoby Brissett, you know, to, or Tua Tungavailoa, likely to miss multiple weeks. So you get J- Jacoby Brissett as a startable option for multiple weeks. So especially if you're the one who lost Tua, you know, Jacoby Brissett just kind of fills in perfectly for you until Tua gets back. The issue is, and why I've got him down so low and I still don't feel great about this fab claim, I think 15% is what it's going to take to get him. You know, for somebody who's going to start multiple games at the premium position of quarterback, you know, I think that it takes 15%. But Jacoby Brissett looked absolutely awful. <laughs> it's not a it's not a great, you know, passing offense anyways. They definitely have diversity uh in the pass catching weapons. They've got a lot of them. But man, they're just not finding these guys. And they're making it look much harder than it needs to be. We go back to Jacoby Brissett as a starter in Indianapolis when he had better, arguably, better options than what he has now. And I mean, it was he was barely startable on a weekly basis then. So like if you're adding him to a quarterback extreme rotation, you know, what's the scenario? where he's going to be a starter for you. How good does that matchup have to be, and how bad do your other matchups have to be in order for you to start Jacoby Brissett in the next you know, two or three weeks, which is probably the max that we're going to be without Tua. So you know, it, for those who are desperate at quarterback, that's where 15% is, you know, that's it's – it should be a good enough claim to get him. Uh, to me, the only way that you want to really even take a shot with Jacoby Brissett is if you have to. You have to be pretty desperate at quarterback. So, you know, Jacoby Brissett for me uh, is it, it, that's that's kind of the the story of of Jacoby Brissett. That's kind of the definition. You've got to be desperate. The Miami Dolphins are desperate. Are you? Because if you are, 15%. 15% works, um, and you should get him at that. Um, but, man, like, I would really rather not. I would really, I would rather go harder after Jacob Eason, honestly. I think you get him a little bit longer, and I think that you probably get better production, if I'm being honest. Uh, Cordero Patterson mentioned him earlier. He was last week, last week, <laughs> last week he was next week, this week. So in week two, I had him as a next week, this week pickup. Pick him up now for free, stash him, and save yourself some fab. Well, now here we are. He looks like the best running back in Atlanta. He went seven, seven carries, 11 yards. He does get the touchdown. That's the thing. He's a goal line back. He's a short... He's he's been their their primary back when they get down around the down into the red zone. He also catches five of his six targets, fifty eight yards and a touchdown. Mike Davis had more uh, more carries, more targets, more yard, more rushing yards, more receiving yards, all of that. But the problem at Cordero Patterson is getting the touchdowns. 
and they're using him in those, you know, in, in the red zone. They're using him in uh, goal-to-go situations. You know, I, I, I just think that that is, that's, that's worth something. It has to be. It kind of tells you uh, what the, how they view those running backs. You know, between the 20s, it's Mike Davis. But they feel like the guy who gives them the best opportunity to punch it in for six is Cordero Patterson. So, you know, I've got him at a 15% claim. I kind of doubt that's going to get him, and I'm kind of okay with that. I'm kind of okay with missing on him at that at this point. I wanted him, at, you know, for the price of free as a stash. I would have took him there. Now that you have to pay up for him, I think that we can really – you know, kind of put the microscope to it and say Cordero Patterson as their best back and as their, particularly as their red zone guy is not, uh, how do I put this? That's not good coaching. (laughs) That's not what you want as an NFL franchise. So, um, you know, I, I think that 15% is probably going to fall a little bit short. If you do happen to get him for 15%, I think that that's still worth it because he's still going to be a flex option for you just because of the fact that they're going to try and get him into the end zone. But any more than that, and we're starting to spend money that, you know, we're starting to spend fab that could be spent on higher volume, you know, higher upside guys like Tony Pollard for instance. Uh, Sony Michelle, running back four, he's priority seven. And 10, uh, 10 carries for 48 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. He was kind of right there with Darrell Henderson uh, in terms of usage and in, in terms of production. Uh, he, he doesn't get to touchdown, but uh, you know, this is this is still shaking out to be a you know a committee approach. And on top of all that, I mean, if you were to lose Darrell Henderson at any point, Sony Michelle all of a sudden picks up the majority of that workload. Jake Funk kind of a change of pace back. Uh Peyton Barber running back five. He's my number eight priority. I'm only putting five percent on him. I don't know if I mentioned it. Sony Michelle five percent. That's all. Uh, Peyton Barber, uh, 13 carries to Kenyon Drake's four. Drake was primarily involved in passing downs. Very, very pass-heavy game script. Uh, So Kenyon Drake ends up with a lot more work. But, you know, uh, generally speaking, you're going to see a lot more of of, uh, a lot more commitment to the run. And it looks like that's going to be Peyton Barber as long as Josh Jacobs is out. So that's the caveat to this whole thing. I'm going 5% right now for Peyton Barber, especially if you have Josh Jacobs on your roster. But you bump it up if J- if Josh Jacobs is out, and that's kind of regardless. Like I would, If Josh Jacobs is going to miss even one game, I would rather have Peyton Barber than Cordero Patterson. So if we're talking 15% for Cordero Patterson, we're talking more like – 20% for for Peyton Barber if Josh Jacobs is going to miss any amount of time. Van Jefferson is uh, priority number nine. Finally, we get a wide receiver. He only got three targets, but he got 54 snaps. 
Robert Woods gets 58. Cooper Cup gets 59. Nobody else was even close. Van Jefferson is essentially getting starter type of of work. You know, as far as uh, as far as time served, he's on the field more than anybody other than those two studs. He's essentially a starter in three three wide receiver sets. He's a starter. So the fact that you can get him now pretty cheap, he could almost be a next week this week guy. But I think that you want to go a little harder after him just because, first of all, he's on the field enough. That's the first step along the path to, you know, scoring fantasy points is to be on the field. And he's there a lot. He's running a lot of routes. But also, if at any point you lost Robert Woods, you lost Cooper Cup, or even if one of those guys runs into a difficult matchup, you know, defensively. Van Jefferson is is you know he uh, he becomes a flex option at that point. Dawson Knox is our first tight end uh, at priority number ten. Uh, he goes two for three, seventeen yards and a touchdown. He got fifty five of the sixty five offensive snaps. Ran twenty eight routes, which was the third most on the team behind Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. So he's he's involved in that offense. It's they're having a hard time spreading the ball around <laughs> to everybody. It really just does just get funneled to Diggs and Sanders at this point, particularly Diggs. Uh, but but again, Dawson Knox is on the field. He's out there running routes. They're not just bringing him in to pass block and to run block. He's not just there for you know for his blocking. He's out there running routes, and eventually that starts to lead to. Uh, points scored so um, I, I'm still putting a minimum bid you know if it's if it's a dollar put a dollar if you're allowed to go zero uh, for a waiver claim I would do that but you know Dawson Knox looks the part of a usable fantasy football tight end uh, Jack Doyle kind of the same thing he's also he's he's tight end two he's prior priority 11 still putting a minimum bid on him even though he had a uh, he had a very nice game here five uh, five of caught five of his eight targets for sixty four yards, the problem is Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Granson both still very involved in that offense, but uh, Jack Doyle does seem to be separating a little bit and becoming one of the top options in that Indianapolis offense. And finally, Braxton Berrios, uh, my second wide receiver, another minimum bid. He goes 7 for 11, uh, 73 yards, all team highs. But he had fewer snaps than, uh, than Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, uh, fewer routes run than, uh, than Moore. This, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, like, what do you even call that against New England? I, like, I want to say game script, but, I, like, I, is that, is, that just doesn't even feel like an appropriate term for what happened against the New England Patriots. You know, when Zach Wilson giving up uh, four interceptions, five interceptions, seeing ghosts the exact same way. I don't know how Belichick keeps doing that to these Jets quarterbacks. But, yeah, I, I like I don't even want to call that game script. That's just such a such a an S show, you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't... I don't even know what to call that, but uh, let's just 
let's in the interest of time, let's just say Braxton Berrios benefited from very unusual circumstances. Um, real quick before we move on, uh, I I missed some guys on uh, you know f- for super shallow leagues. Just make sure they're rostered. Um, really, kind of regardless of the format. Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook dealing with injuries. He left the game twice with injuries and uh, starting to get banged up here early in the season. Emmanuel Sanders, number two option by a significant margin behind Stephon Diggs. And Michael Pittman, the leader in, uh, what? let's see, targets, catches, yards, what you know, whatever it is that you needed uh, from Indianapolis, it was it was all Michael Pittman. Here we were last year, last week, talking about Paris Campbell being a drop, and speculating: Is Michael Pittman next? Is he going to you know? Is he going to is he going to step up and take a piece of this this offense, or is he going to be the next guy that we just have to cut and run? He got involved, heavily involved. Uh, and now I, I think that you start looking at Michael Pittman is very likely the wide receiver one in that offense. As good as Zach Pascal is, as good as, as, as consistent as Zach Pascal is, as high as that his floor is, I still think Michael Pittman is the guy that you probably want. Some guys you can drop. Eric Ebron, uh, he was out-snapped and out-targeted by Pat Fryermuth. Droppable. David Johnson, he gets eight touches. Six of them were carries. He only ran two routes, or he got two targets. Um, he played 26 snaps, but he only gets eight touches and uh, catches both of his targets. He's on the field as, a, I don't know, a decoy? It, it's he's, he's not getting quality touches. He's not getting quality work. He's probably in there primarily for pass protection at that point, I would say. So, yeah, droppable. Gio Bernard. which a guy who I advocated for adding last week uh, with an opportunity in that Tampa Bay backfield. Well, the opportunity turned out to be six snaps. He ran five routes on those six snaps, caught his two, both of his two targets for 16 yards. That's nothing. That's nothing that we can count on. That's nothing that we want anything to do with droppable. Uh, players to fade. Max Williams goes seven of seven for ninety-four. Uh, let's not act like uh, and people are going to run to waivers to go get Max Williams after that, um, as if uh, I I, I kind of think that the Minnesota Vikings might be what the Arizona Cardinals have been for the last several years, which is that one opportunity for tight ends to just go crazy. So, but let's not act like the Arizona Cardinals are suddenly going to start targeting the the tight end position consistently, uh, especially when you've got weapons all over the place. Rondale Moore is a, you know, a burgeoning star, and you still have DeAndre Hopkins as a target hog. A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, all involved. Chase Edmonds, James Conner, all those guys involved. There's just nothing there for Max Williams on a consistent basis. I don't know when you're going to feel good, you know, starting him. So people are going to run to the waivers to get Max Williams. They're going to spend up to get Max Williams as if he's a startable fantasy tight end. Let them do it. Let them buy that. 
We want nothing to do with that. That's not something that's going to be sustainable. And that's that's going to be the case with all of these names. Freddie Swain, 5 of 5, 95 yards and a touchdown. Not sustainable. It was a game script. You know, it was... It, 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 we're still not getting nearly as much work from DK Metcalf as we would expect. You know, so yeah, I, I'm not expecting... Uh, Freddie Swain to uh, to replicate that performance. Demetric Demetric Felton, a running back by the way for Cleveland, who catches two two uh, two of his two uh, both of his two targets, fifty one yards and a touchdown. Okay, I like so you lose Jarvis Landry early in the game. Yeah, I mean you get a. a, a I, I'm I'm not chasing splash plays. 68-yard touchdown for Freddie Swain. You know, I'm not chasing that. I'm not chasing Demetric Felton's, you know, two for two for 51 yards and a long touchdown. I'm not chasing any of that. Other people want to, let them. Stay out of their way. Let them spend the, the fab. And, you know, you get better access to the players who are actually going to be usable on a weekly, on a weekly basis. Um, I'm fading the Baltimore Ravens running backs. So here's the problem. You get the, the most carries from Tyson Williams. You get the touchdown for uh, Latavius Murray. You get the the big splash play from Devonta Freeman. Like you combine these three guys, and you just got a great uh, you you just got a great fantasy day from one running back. The problem is it got spread out really pretty evenly between those three guys, and that's that's most likely how this backfield is just going to shake out uh, for the rest of the season. So. You know, I, I don't really want anything to do with any of that. And finally, I'm fading the Browns tight ends. So here's the targets this week. David Njoku got three. Austin Hooper got four. Harrison Bryant got five. It was basically in reverse last week. <laughs> this is just going to be, it, it's one of those rare tight end by committee approaches uh, for Cleveland. And I know that, you know, you look at some of the numbers for one of these guys every single week and you say, you know, that's that's the type of thing I want in my lineup consistently. It would be great if it was all from one player, but it's never going to be. They're going to continue to utilize these guys the exact same way. You're never going to know who's going to get the volume, who's going to get the touchdown. You're just never going to know. So just stay away from it entirely. And if people are running to, I mean, Bryant is most likely, Harrison Bryant most likely on uh, rosters in those deeper dynasty leagues. But if he's not and anyone's going to run to waivers to get him, stay out of their way. Uh, some buys, some guys to either buy or hold. Uh, buy low or hold them if you've got them. First of all, James Robinson, he outsnapped Carlos Hyde this week, 41 to 14. He outcarried Carlos Hyde 11 to 2. It, uh, Urban Meyer figured it out between week one and week two. This is your primary back. This is your bell cow back, James Robinson. The problem is they ran into a pretty negative game script. 
and it just kept getting worse and worse. It was, it, you know, it was, it was a tough matchup to begin with for that entire offense. But the more that Trevor Lawrence turns the ball over, the less you're able to, to run the ball, the more one dimensional you get. Uh, DK Metcalf is another guy that I'm buying low on right now. Uh, he, he had the same number of snaps and targets as Tyler Lockett. He just didn't have the splash plays. He catches six of his 11 targets, 53 yards, you know, pretty boring day overall. But yeah, again, we're not chasing splash plays. That long touchdown for Tyler Lockett, 63 yard touchdown was really kind of the difference between the two. That stuff's coming for for DK Metcalf. We've seen this before. We've seen Tyler Lockett have those monster games and then just disappear. I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. Hopefully we get a reasonable floor from Tyler Lockett going forward, but we're not going to see him at his ceiling every single week. This is going to we're going to see DK Metcalf settle in as the alpha uh, in that offense. And then I'm buying and holding just kind of RB1s in general. Antonio Gibson, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Miles Gaskin, Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift. These are all guys that people are starting to worry about. And here's the bottom line to me. This is not a new phenomenon, right? Early in the season... You know, you still have summer-type weather in a lot of places. You know, you you you, you see a lot more uh, you, these these passing games are a lot more effective. But you know, you start to settle into colder weather, snowier conditions, windier conditions. You're gonna start to see more and more of a commitment to the run, and these running backs are going to be the guys that you want. These guys, these running backs are going to end up being the ones who lead you to a fantasy championship. They're going to be the difference between a, a fantasy championship team and, you know, a team that just kind of fizzles out because they were relying on, you know, heavy volume and splash plays from the wide receiver position. You still need this is this is just kind of one of the fundamental truths of fantasy football is you need you need stud running backs throughout the season, but especially later in the season when you know when when everybody's trying to run the ball, everybody's playing ball control, you know and and just trying to avoid the elements for the most part, you know you you you're gonna need those running backs. So if you've got people who are willing to sell them off right now to get in on this offensive explosion through the air, you know, if you're able to to sell some of your wide receiver depth and get back some of these stud running backs who are underperforming, that's a league-winning move. Uh, some players you can sell, um, not quite droppable, but definitely definite sells for me. Henry Ruggs, he was 5 of 6, 113 yards, uh, got the touchdown. He only ran 24 routes, though. Uh, you know, half as many as 
uh, Brian Edwards, for instance. Again, we're just getting this these splash plays from Henry Ruggs right now, and that's just not something that we want to chase. It's always great when you get it, particularly in a best ball league, but the second when you're setting lineups, the second you put Henry Ruggs in there, that's the second you don't get that splash play. So, you know, if you can sell him on the fact that, you know, he's he's giving you that type of production right now, you absolutely do it. Same thing with McCall, with Miko Hardman. Uh 5 of 8 uh for 55 yards. Uh caught, caught 5 of his 8 targets that is for 55 yards. Tyreek Hill only got 4 touches in this game. They the Baltimore Ravens did a very good job of neutralizing Tyreek Hill. Miko Hardman is not going to be that involved when Tyreek Hill is uh is able to uh when when Tyreek Hill is unleashed. Rob Gronkowski is my final one. Uh four for five, 39 yards, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns in week one, two touchdowns in week two. I mean, this is kind of the definition of sell high, right? At this point, I mean, and and it's tough because I love Gronk. He's just kind of one of my all-time favorites, uh, favorite players, favorite fantasy players, favorite personalities, all of it. But, I mean, if you're able to sell Rob Gronkowski as even a top five tight end in this league, not to mention, you know, number one overall right at the moment, if you're able to sell him on that, we know the touchdowns aren't sticky. We talk about that all the time. We cannot predict these touchdowns, and it's because Rob Gronkowski's not going to keep scoring two touchdowns every single week. It's just not going to happen. Like, you might get two more touchdowns from Rob Gronkowski all season, if we're being honest. So, so Yeah. If if you're able to sell him as a top five tight end, you absolutely do it. The volume isn't there, and the volume is never going to be available for him to sustain this type of production. Um, finally, our final our final segment next week this week, my favorite segment uh, because it's so damn useful. Like I said earlier, Cordero Patterson, Davis Mills, those are top priorities this week, and if you had picked them up last week. You would have got him for free. You would have waited until after the waiver run and then it's first come, first serve time, and you you picked those guys up for free and just saved yourself a ton of fab and got yourself a lot more value onto your roster. So next week, this week, guys that you want to pick up now, uh, pick them up this week, and then when they become top waiver priorities next week for the rest of your league, they're already on your roster you got him for free, and now you get that value boost. Donovan Peoples-Jones is my first one. Led the Cle- uh, the Cleveland wide receivers in snaps and routes uh, with both Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. out. Jarvis Landry to IR. We're gonna. It's going to be at least three weeks before we see him. Odell Beckham Jr. still working his way back from that, that ACL from last year. Not totally sure when we're going to see him. So Donovan Peoples-Jones, very sneaky because, you know, he only ended up with one target. Um, but, again, he was, the, he was the guy who was on the field the most, running the most routes, got the most snaps in the most routes 
among their wide receivers. He he suddenly becomes the wide receiver one there until Odell Beckham Jr. comes back. So stash him now before people re- realize that. Uh, Travis Homer, 14 snaps, primarily on passing downs for Seattle. Uh, two targets on 11 routes. He's their change of pace back, and he's taking Chris Carson off the field. The electric playmaker coming off the field because they have another back that they want to prioritize. And it's Travis Homer. It's not Rashad Penny, not DJ Dallas, not Alex Collins. Travis Homer is the guy. He's their passing downs back. He's their change of pace back. And he's going to be the guy that spells Chris Carson. Uh, Jalen Guyton, wide receiver for the Chargers. He's he's really he's kind of one of those rare wide receiver handcuffs. He's he's kind of the handcuff to both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. He got 48 snaps, uh, where we got 55 for Mike Williams, for instance. Uh, he ran 34 routes. Mike Williams ran 36. So Jalen Guyton, just like Van Jefferson, really kind of operating as the the starting, you know, outside wide receiver with Keenan Allen in the slot. You know, on three wide receiver sets, Jalen Guyton is essentially a starter. And, you know, it's kind of not particularly close for the other guys. Josh Palmer, you know, 14 snaps. It... it, it it's it it's Jalen Guyton. He's he's the guy. The only issue right now is that so much of that gets funneled to primarily, you know, Williams and Keenan Allen, but Jared Cook a little bit too. We haven't even seen Austin Eckler getting super involved yet. So the where Jalen Guyton really becomes usable for you is if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen gets hurt. But let's not kid ourselves. Those are both guys who have dealt with injuries in the past. Jordan Akins, tight end for Houston. Uh, he got equal snaps to Farrell Brown. He ran more targets, more routes, and got more targets than Farrell Brown. We talked last week about Farrell Brown as a guy to fade after his two-touchdown day in week one. Jordan Akins is not even slowly taking over that role. He's He was right there with Farrell Brown this week. And you're just going to see more and more of that tip uh, towards Jordan Aikens going forward. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, reports coming out, Ben Roethlisberger has that pec injury. If he ends up missing time and or if this, uh, this injury, you know, this upper body injury that is going to be affected by the throwing motion, there's a good chance that you see Dwayne Haskins take over at some point and possibly, uh, you know, become the starter um, for multiple weeks while Ben Roethlisberger heals. on Johnson, San Francisco's running back. You've got Elijah Mitchell hurt. You've got Trey Sermon hurt. You've got Jermichael Hasty hurt. They're all dealing with injuries. on Johnson is the healthy back right now. Elijah Mitchell is still going to be available. There's a chance that Trey Sermon is available. He's in the concussion protocol possibly makes it back but you know the 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 more banged up those those lead backs get the closer we get to you know lead back workload for carry on johnson it's coming at some point and then finally chuba hubbard this is the one i've been waiting since i mean since he was drafted <laughs> to talk about this one this is your chance 
this is your chance. Get him next week. He's gonna be a a, a high priority because Christian McCaffrey already dealing with soft tissue injuries. We talked about this all off season too. You know, it's it, it's not one major injury event for Christian McCaffrey. It's multiple injuries to multiple parts of the body. And it's soft tissue stuff that lingers. And it's starting to pile up. It's really starting to pile up now for uh, for Christian McCaffrey. So he left this game with muscle cramping, uh, returned. It's it, it just It just feels like a matter of time, you know, before Christian McCaffrey is going to have to necessarily going to have to miss some time um, whether it's for an injury or you know injury management and prevention either way but the moment that that happens Chuba Hubbard becomes the lead back gets you know bell cow type of uh, there's a bell cow type of uh, workload available to him it's this is you know I've, I, I've talked a lot about Chuba Hubbard, one of my favorite sleepers. And, you know, we saw what that workload can look like for somebody like Mike Davis, who's not as talented as Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard brings you a very similar skill set, not, not, you know, obviously not as talented as Christian McCaffrey uh, as, as a football player just in general. But as, like a, a similar skill set, I like to say, just kind of turned down a notch, essentially. But he would fill that role, uh, you know, more than adequately. I think he would give you, you know, top five running back type upside uh, if and when he takes so uh, gets the opportunity to take that job uh, while Christian McCaffrey rests and or heals. So there you go. There's a super flex standard operating procedures going into week three. All that's left for you to do is go execute. So let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcast Mega Feed. And do us a huge favor. Rate and review this show. Um, it helps us to get out more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Get at us on Twitter, at SuperFlexShow. Even better, just hit me up individually. I'm so bad at checking that, that Super Show account. So just get to me individually, at SuperFlexDude. Always happy to uh, answer questions in DMs, uh, respond to mentions, and uh, you know retweet trade polls, whatever you got. Always happy to do it. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Yesterday was one year to the day. Uh, after I uh, had to deliver the news that we had lost James the Brain Catullus. It affected me this weekend. <laughs> it, I mean, it's affected me this entire year. Um, I felt very lost without my friend James the Brain. Uh, this weekend was particularly particularly rough. Um, but, yeah, I, I just uh, I, I want James the Brain, wherever he's watching from, listening from, to know uh, he's still very much loved, um, very much uh, thought about, and uh, very, very missed. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Hey.